When I was a boy, I read comic books. I read all that I could get a hold of. I, I guess you could say I was a comic book junkie. Uh, for the longest time, uh, matter of fact, even when we left Illinois, I finally sold every comic book I had. Now, I kept them in plastic vinyl covers. I made a pretty good penny when I sold them all. Uh, but I was, I, I loved, I loved uh, superheroes and I, I watched the superhero shows that came on television. It's probably some of you remember, you know, Batman and Superman. I grew up with those guys, you know, uh, and I'd watch them. And even today, I must confess, if a good superhero movie comes out, I'll be one of the first ones in the box office to watch a superhero movie. I loved superheroes. And I was growing up, there was one superhero that always dominated uh, the television screen, and that was Superman. You know Superman. He had this one power that I wish that I could have had, supervision. You know, he had this vision that he could see things that nobody else could see. Wouldn't it be great to be a superhero and have supervision? Wouldn't it be great? I know what you're saying. Probably most of you here this morning, you don't feel much like a superhero. Uh, much less one that has a supervision. Uh, what we're probably doing in life is we're probably just drifting. We're just probably bouncing around with really no, no sense of purpose, no sense of vision whatsoever. We have no vision for the future or we have such a small vision that it really doesn't make much of a difference in anything. But I want you to know something, my friends, and I don't care whether you're nine or 90, all right? God has a purpose for your life. God has a vision for your life. And if you will catch that vision, if you will catch that purpose that God has for your life, it will change your life. It will change everything about you. It will change the way you live. It will change the way you feel. It will change the way you do anything in life. So what I'm asking you to do this morning is I'm asking you to step up to the vision that God has for your life. I'm asking you to open your heart, open your mind, and just consider, just consider that possibly what God has in store for you is bigger than you even began to imagine. I want you to, to look at that and think about that because it will change everything. Now, let's pray before we get into this, all right? God, we come before you this morning because we need vision. God, we need something bigger than ourselves so that we can live for something bigger than ourselves. God, we believe that you have a purpose. We believe, Father, that you have a vision for our lives. So we pray, Father, that you will help us to see that so that we too, Father, can be a superhero to someone in this world in which we live. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your bullets that I've given you a, a quote. That's going to be the springboard for our sermon this morning. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. This has been a motivating factor in my life for quite some time. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. You need to underline two phrases in, that, in, the, in your notes. The first one is could be, should be. Those are the two things you need to focus on. A vision is something that sh could be and something that should be. God has a vision for your life. And because God has a vision for your life, there, there's four things that it'll create. There's four things that a vision will create. First, vision sparks passion. 
Uh, when you have a vision, you get all emotional about the vision even before it even trans even before it even transpires. Think of it this way. Think of a young man or young boy about to go out on his first date. I know this is a low, goes back a long time, right? Think about that, the first date. And he hasn't even went out on the date yet, but he's always thinking, he goes, oh, tonight might be the night I get to hold her hand. He's so excited. Oh, tonight might be the night I get to get my first kiss. Or tonight might be the night I fall in love. I want you to know, there's a lot of passion that has already went into that vision, and it hasn't even happened yet. But it sparks the passion in him, and that's what vision will do. Vision also creates motivation. When I was pastoring in Baytown, Texas, we had a massive flood that came in our area, and the San Jacinto River was rising above its banks, and the people that lived on the river were worried about losing their home. So what they did is they formed a team of sandbag builders and they began building dikes to protect their homes from the rain. I want you to know something about dike builders. They were a motivated bunch. When you have the motivation, the, the, the vision of something, it will motivate you to accomplish that task. You show me a man, you show me a woman who lacks motivation, and I'll show you a man and a woman that lacks vision. They won't do anything. That's why we do all the training that we do. That's why we get that education degree that we want. That's why we go to all those classes and we take all those tests. Why? Because we are motivated to do something later in life. You see, vision is what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. That's what we understand about that. So vision sparks passion. Vision creates motivation. Third, vision create, gives direction. Vision simplifies everything. Without vision, you have no moral compass. You're just kind of wondering. You're kind of going from place to place, but you don't really have any, any, any exact direction that you're going. You don't really have any place that you're trying to wind up. What's to say, if, if you plan to get somewhere, if you plan to go nowhere, guess what? You'll get there. That's what vision does. It gives direction to our lives. Finally, vision provides purpose. Vision is the reason you get up in the morning. Vision is, is what sparks you to move forward. Vision is that, that thing that provides that purpose, that direction in your life. It creates the passion. It creates the motivation. Anything that doesn't help you meet your vision, guess what? You don't do it. It gets a red light. Anything that helps you, helps you reach that vision, it gets a green light. And you move forward with that. Vision makes your life an important link between the current reality and what could be and what should be. You are the link between what is and what could be. You are the one that makes it a reality. You're the link. And that's what we need to understand about a vision. Vision connects you to what is and what could be and what should be. So God made you on purpose. He made you for a reason. He made you and he wants you to have vision for your life. So how do you get it? How do you get a vision for your life? I want to give you the requirements for vision so that maybe you can understand what it is. First, you have to see it. You've got to see the vision. 
If you don't see it, those four things we just talked about, that, that passion, motivation, direction, and purpose, you'll never get it in your life. So you've got to see it. If you don't see it, you'll be going aimless and, and confused and going in all kinds of directions. A vision is something that's worthy of your life. Here's a verse you know by memory, Proverbs 29, verse 18. And I'm going to give it to you in the King James Version. So that's, you know, y'all really understand it. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The NIV says, where is no, no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But we, we are familiar with this passage. Matter of fact, this, this is the verse that Marcy puts on our wall in, in the office where our vision folders come in and fold that. We want to know that, look, if we don't have that vision, our people are going to perish. They need to get that thing out. That word perish means to be undone. It means that your, your, your life is going, to become, is going to become unraveled and you'll be living in many different directions. He says, if you don't have vision, you're going to live in many different directions and your life will not have any purpose. You won't have anything going on. A vision is what creates passion. A vision is what creates motivation. A vision is what creates direction. Vision is what creates purpose. So you've got to see it. You've got to see it. So how can we see it? Well, in order to see it, you've got to believe it. I know what you're saying. Pastor, you've got that backwards. Uh, you're saying, no, when I see it, then I will believe it. No, you have to believe it, then you will see it. There's a great story in the New Testament that illustrates this. Mary Magdalene was a follower of Jesus Christ. She was there when Jesus died on the cross. After the Sabbath, she was making her way to the garden tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. What did she expect to find? She expected to find a dead body. Why? Because she saw Jesus die. She saw him crucified. She went to the garden, or she went to the garden tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. She didn't expect to find a resurrected Savior. Why? She didn't believe that could happen. It never happened before. She didn't believe it. So Jesus appears to her. She didn't recognize him. How is that possible? He was looking right at her. He was speaking to her. But what does the Bible say? It says, she did not recognize him. That's what it says. Why did she not recognize him? Because in her mind, she did not believe that someone would rise from the dead. She was still stuck in what I like to call stinking thinking. She didn't believe it. So because she didn't believe it, guess what? She didn't see it. So we have to believe it, then we will see it. Listen, God has a vision for your life, and you have got to get that vision. How do you do it? You got to believe that God has a vision for your life. Then you'll be able to see it. You got to believe that God has a purpose. You got to believe that your life counts. You have to believe that you matter to God, that you are important to God. That's the third truth. You must know God. If you're going to believe that you matter to God, if you're going to believe that God has a vision for your life, if you're going to believe that you count, if you're going to believe uh, so that you can see it, then you've got to get to know God. Here's the problem with most of us. We lack vision in our lives because we do not know God. We don't really know Him. We know about Him. We've got some head knowledge about him, but we don't really know God. What does the Bible say? He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's what it says. 
So what's the problem? We don't know the truth. We don't understand it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, The God who rules this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They cannot see the light, which is the good news about our glorious Christ, who shows what God is like. You see, because we don't know God, so we don't believe that we matter to God. And if we don't believe that we matter to God, then we will have no vision for our lives. It's hard to believe that God cares unless we know the truth about God. But when you see the truth about God, then you say, now I can believe that God has a purpose. God has a plan for my life. I can believe that. I can see it. So how do we learn the truth about God? How do we know God? Look at John chapter 14, verses 6 through 9. It'll be on the screen for you, but I always like you to have your Bible there. John 14, 6 through 9. It's what Jesus is saying. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Underline these words. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He's a Jesus telling us, if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. He goes on to, to say in that passage that Jesus reveals the Father to us. We've got to see the truth about God or we would never believe that God has a plan for our lives. God has a plan. God has a vision. But only if you know the truth about Jesus will you ever be able to see God, will you ever be able to believe in God and believe that God has a purpose for your life, then you'll be able to see it. And the Bible says you can know the truth about God by knowing Jesus, and then Jesus will reveal the Father to you, which tells you that you matter in God's kingdom. You matter. Because God's revealing himself to you through his son, Jesus Christ. But if you're going to experience that, if you're really going to know God through Jesus, guess what else you need? You need mercy and grace. You need mercy and grace. The Bible says only as God calls us to himself can we really come to him. Said so He's the one out there calling us to himself. The Bible says that there is a gap between God and humanity. And that God is drawing people to himself by his grace, by his mercy. We would not, we would not even, even care about God. We would not even desire God unless God was drawing us. God is calling at your life. And I know some of you find that hard to believe. Probably most of you in this room are believers, and, and some of you uh, are pretend believers, but uh, you know who you are, so we won't uh, call out any names. That was a joke, okay? Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. Some of us are religious, but we don't have a relationship because we grew up in church. 
And church is what saves us, right? No, there is no salvation in the church. There's only salvation in Jesus, period. That's it. That's what he said in that passage. But there's this gap between us. And so God is speaking to your heart. Some of you are here because a friend invited you. Some of you are, are here because you saw something uh, on the website or, or you saw a sign. And so you're just here and, and it's an accident that you're here. I want you to know there is no accident that you're here. You're here because God is drawing you. God is pulling at you. God is inviting you to experience the great purpose that he has for your life. He wants to give you mercy and he wants to give you grace. You know what mercy is? Mercy is you don't get what you deserve. I remember one time years ago when I was a, a, young, a young preacher, somebody told me, he said, I think you're going to go somewhere in this, in this life. He said, I hope you get everything that you deserve. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't want what I deserve. I deserve, I deserve to be judged. What I want is mercy. I need mercy, not what I deserve. Don't you want mercy and not what you deserve? That's what I want. I want to experience God's mercy. And then grace. So he gives us mercy. That's not getting what we deserve. Then he gives us grace. It was getting what we don't deserve. Listen, I deserve condemnation. But what does he do? He gives me a savior. He gives me a Lord, and he gives me a Savior, a Lord that bridges the gap between God and sinful humanity, and he sent the Son, Jesus Christ, to bridge that gap. That's grace. He gives me grace. And he gives me a, a Savior who pays in full the debt that I owe that I could never pay. He gives me grace. So we need to see the vision. We got to believe the vision. We need to see God. We need to know God. You need God's mercy and grace. Well, how do you get it? You need God's Word. You need the Word of God. You have to have the truth of God's Word to reveal this fact to you. The Word of God is truth. And you need the Word of God to receive the mercy and grace. Why? Because the Word of God shows you how to receive that mercy and grace. It's through God's word that you're able to know God. It's through God's word that you're able to know that God really cares about you. And then when you know that God really cares about you, then you will see that God has a vision for your life and you'll be able to see it. Why? Because you have the word that he has that for you. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Why do we need God's Word? Because God's Word is truth. And God's Word clarifies that He wants to give us mercy and grace. But it's so hard to conceive without God's Word because we think we're good enough. We think that if I just do enough good things that, that when I get to that time, that final judgment, that, that my good deeds will outweigh the bad. Guess what? It never will. It never will. It's hard for us to understand. But God wants you to have mercy and grace and he wants you to receive it in Christ so that you may know him and you believe that you matter so you can have the vision that God wants you to have for your life. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Now I'm going to give it to you in the Living Bible just because I like the way it worded it. This is what it says. 
He isn't really being slow about his promised return, even though it sometimes seems that way. So stop right there. He isn't, being, he isn't really being slow about his promised return, even though it sometimes seems that way. You know, we as Christians believe that someday Jesus is coming again. Someday he's going to reveal himself. He'll come and all the world will know him. He won't be coming as a tiny baby. He'll be coming as a victorious king, as a conquering warrior. He'll be coming. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we know it's going to happen. And sometimes we as Christians say, when's it going to happen, God? You know, we get caught up with that. I've learned something about senior adults, uh, and I'm, 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 I'm really approaching that way. I know I am because I got a senior discount the other day. You know, <laughs> I really like getting that 50 cent coffee, you know. Um, but I've learned something about senior adults. The closer we get to our end times, the more we focus on the end times. That's the way we are. We're fascinated with that for some reason or other. We know what's going to happen. We believe it's going to happen, and Jesus is going to come. But we ask the question, why is he delaying? Why is he so slow? Lord, how long will there be anger in the world? Lord, how long will there be sorrow in the world? Lord, how long will we have the hungry amongst us? Lord, how long will there be abuse in the world? Lord, how long? How long? And we think that God is slow. But why is God slow? Peter answers it in this passage. Why is he slow? But he is waiting for the good reason that he is giving more time for sinners to repent. I love that passage. I love that passage. The reason that God is slow is because he wants more people to come to repentance. You know what he's saying? He wants more people to experience mercy and grace. That's what he's saying. God is slow in his coming because he's given opportunity for more people to come to him. Without mercy and grace, we would never be able to know God. But once you receive mercy and grace, then you will know there is a God. Then you will know and you will believe that God has a, has a, a vision, a purpose for your life, and you'll be able to see it as God fleshes it out for you. But listen, you will not receive the word of God in the absence of God's people. Write this down. You need God's people to get God's word. You need God's people to get God's word. How would we know what God was saying if we didn't have people there to help us understand? To really help us understand. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 14, these words. All who call out to the Lord will be saved. How many people be saved if they call out to the Lord? All people. That's what it says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then he says, how can people have faith in the Lord and ask him to save them if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them, unless someone's preaching to them? Don't take that word preaching as relegated to preachers alone. It's people telling them about him. We will never know about God unless somebody's out there telling them about it. Turn over to Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Uh, you know the story, but as you're turning there, because there might be some things I want you to highlight. You know the story. There's a story of, a, of an Ethiopian eunuch on his way uh, back 
from, uh, uh, he's on his way down from Jerusalem to Gaza. He's on his way there, and he, he's an important official. And Philip is, is mysteriously transported by God to, to where this Ethiopian eunuch is, is on the road. And as Philip is listening to this guy in the chariot, this guy in the chariot, this Ethiopian eunuch, is reading from the book of Isaiah. And he's reading uh, from this book. And as he's reading from it, Philip comes up beside him and he asks him a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Stop right there. Have you ever been afraid somebody might ask you that? <laughs> you're sitting there maybe in your coffee shop around your home and, and you're reading the Bible and says, hey, do you understand that? You know, you know what I mean? You're standing there for the time, somebody taps you on the shoulder. Hey, do you understand what you're reading? You ever been afraid somebody might ask you that? And you respond, no, I don't know what I'm reading. I have no idea what this means. That's the way we are sometimes in our life. But what does Peter do? Oh, the, the, the eunuch says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? How can I understand what they're saying unless somebody explains it to me? And it says that then Peter, Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. You see what happens? God's people work with us to help us understand the Word of God. So the, 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 they help us understand the word and then together we begin to understand it and then we begin to apply it to our lives. And when we begin to apply it to our lives, we understand the good news of God's love for us. And, and it's amazing to see how God will give us vision to see how people will come around and help us know Jesus Christ. And once we know Jesus Christ, we see the truth about God. But it takes God's Word to do that, and it takes the people of God to help us understand that. And when we do that, then we begin to grasp mercy and grace, and then we know the truth about Christ. We know the truth. We understand that we are precious to Him, that we matter to Him, and that God has a vision for us. He has a plan for our life. Amen. That's the way it works. But so many of us, are drifting and, and we're aimless because we've never gotten to know the truth about God through Jesus Christ. Listen, we have a creator of the universe who cares about us. He cares enough about you that he instills within us a, a passion, a vision for something greater than ourselves. The Bible says about Abraham that Abraham wandered this world looking for a home that was not built by human hands. But he had this vision of something bigger. And so what did he do? He walked in obedience. And it says by faith. Because Abraham believed, it was credited to him with righteousness. But Abraham had a vision bigger than anything he could even imagine for himself. And because Abraham had a vision, it changed his life. It changed his focus. Listen, God cares about you. Like I said, I don't care if you're nine or 90. God cares. He does. And you can take that to the bank. And God has a vision for your life. And guess what? God has a vision for this church. He has a vision for this church. What a great thing it is when God's people get together 
to experience the vision that God has for them and for his church. Because guess what? Then there's nothing that can hold us back. Nothing. Because of that. Let me lead us in a time of prayer. Then we'll have a time of invitation.